Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The sculptor had finished making a fine statue. It was placed with pride in the town square. The statue was of a local hero. At great risk to his own life, he had single-handedly rescued a boatload of people caught off the rocks in a winter storm. The town was so grateful that they commissioned a statue of him from the sculptor at great expense. But it wasn't long before trouble arrived. The next summer, a gang moved into the town. They rampaged up the little main street. They broke windows. They burned shops down. And when they got to the statue, they defaced it with spray paint. And they pushed the statue off its base. And it crashed into the pavement and smashed into bits. It was ruined. The town council did not know what to do. They could not afford another statue. But the sculptor had an idea. At once he set to work. He remade the statue at his own expense. And when the town council asked him why he did it, the sculptor said it was simply because he loved this town. That little story highlights the main point which the Apostle Paul is trying to get across in our epistle reading. Paul talks about how far sin has gone in ruining the human race and how God's grace in Christ is stronger than sin and death and promises us restoration. Humanity is like that statue. We were originally the crowning masterpiece of God's creation. Made in the very image of God, humanity was endowed with the noble task of being stewards of this precious planet. But like that statue, humanity is now defaced and ruined. God created man for life, but quite irrationally, Adam chose death. Adam knew God's command, yet he flagrantly and deliberately chose to disobey. And this opened the floodgate of sin which has inundated the world. Just as death came to Adam because he sinned, so death comes to all of us because all sin. We sin because we have inherited Adam's sinful nature. We don't just follow his bad example. Like your parents have passed on certain traits to you, so also Adam has passed on to his corrupt nature to all his children. We are actually made sinners by the nature that we inherit from him. Our humanity is ruined, and we can see that because we lack fear, love, and trust in God above all things. 
We do not love our neighbors as ourselves. We do not call upon God in every trouble. We don't pray, we don't praise him, and we don't give thanks. Our good nature has been replaced with a constant inclination, a constant appetite for sin and destruction. We like to sin. We want to sin more. We think about how we can get the opportunity to sin. Adam sinned, and Adam died. And all the rest of us have sinned. And all the rest of us have come under the ruling power of death. We are ruined by sin, and we ruin everything else. Paul says sin entered the world through us, through humanity, through Adam. Don't you feel the misery of living in a world ruled by sin and death? There's a bit of a paradox at work here. We live in a world of wonder and beauty, and yet so savagely and marred by sin and overshadowed by death and suffering. And it's all our fault. We broke it. Think about it for a second. Politics have become nothing but a show of self-seeking pomp. We're appalled every time we hear of more unjust killings. Hatred, discrimination, and inequality are under every nook and cranny. The flames of lust are fanned into blazing fires. The economy is fueled by greed. There are riots and there are wars and famines and diseases. And that's all the result of our sin. We brought sin into the world and with it we have left a bloody trail of death and destruction. And God holds us responsible. And that's why no amount of rule keeping is going to fix things. God did not give you his law as a self-help or fix-it-yourself guide. God's law, in effect, only makes things worse because it shines the light of truth on what we might have been persuaded or what we might have persuaded ourselves was a morally justifiable action. Instead, we are not only guilty sinners we become guilty trespassers, transgressors. That means that when we come face to face with God's commands, we immediately start breaking them. The law exposes our sin. It shows us just how far and how deep the decay and blindness go. And by itself, it's powerless to do anything to stop it. So in our dire situation, when it, where it seems like sin and death would ruin the world forever, when they would get the last word, God took the initiative. If you're overwhelmed by the roughest and most dreadful adversities, if you're struggling with mistrust and desperation and hurt and the weight of your own sin or with your own impending mortality, then you need to remember that you have a promise 
from God. God took the initiative. He came down to the very place where mankind was ruined so that he could restore his creatures to what they had been. Through the word of God, through what has been revealed in the gospel, God promises that the disaster of sin and the reign of death have been reversed in two ways. First, God's grace pardons our guilt. Paul wants us to know that sin is forgiven by grace. Grace is God's free and gratuitous mercy. You're not acquitted, you're not forgiven of your sins through your many righteous good acts. Do not rest your confidence in yourselves, but entirely upon the obedience and the merit of Jesus. It was precisely for the ungodly, the weak, the enemies of God, that Jesus died. Although you and I are unworthy and impure, God is merciful towards us because the Son of God has died for us. He's died in our behalf. He's merited reconciliation for us. It is through Jesus' one act of righteousness that you are acquitted, forgiven. A person is forgiven or acquitted because they have the confidence, the trust that God is no longer angry with us, but actually pleased with us, all because of what Jesus has done. God accounts those who grab hold of grace to be righteous, even though sin remains in us. And that brings us to the second point. God's grace begins to overcome sin. Paul wants us to know that sin begins to be taken away by grace. Of course, sin is never completely gone in this life. Even though we remain weak, we have been given a gift. The gift given through grace is the Holy Spirit, who begins a new and eternal life in us. He creates in us new desires. We're given that first taste of eternal life right here and right now. There is a real change in us. What is that change? We accept and trust in the promises of the gospel. We begin to resist sin. We begin to fear, love, and trust in God. We start to love our neighbors as ourselves. We begin to serve and obey God. We call upon him in every trouble. We pray, praise, and give thanks. This is all a gift of God's grace, an effect, a result of of trusting in, clinging to, grabbing hold of those promises in Christ. And even though we've been given this new life and these new desires, we still do not look to ourselves. We still don't rely on our own strength, our own good works or obedience. 
Sin does not go away in this life. It always remains a threat to you and to your salvation. So always, in every situation, look outside yourself to Christ. Trust in God's promise that we are accepted freely and only because of Christ. We trust that the gift of God's Holy Spirit will continue to work in us to produce good fruit. So we should pause. We should pause and reflect on God's astonishing generosity. We were born already ruined. Our sin had left a trail of misery and death through the, in the world. But what we would not even consider doing, God did without hesitation because of his immeasurable love for us. Just as Adam's disobedience led to universal disaster, so the righteousness of Jesus Christ has the gracious power to undo that disaster. God sent his own son to die a cursed death upon the cross for us, and he rose again the third day, securing eternal life. Because of what Jesus did, God is merciful towards you. Because of that one righteous act, all the ruin of sin has been undone. Because of what Jesus did, we are forgiven. We now enjoy the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we are promised eternal life. So, the question is, have you really grasped just how lavish God's grace and generosity are for you? May that peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.